0: YoMTG Taps is proudly sponsored by CoolStuffInc.com, where you can find cool stuff in stock every day. Use promo code Yo5 to get 5% off your next order.
1: everybody, and welcome to another episode of Yo! MTG Taps. I'm Joey Pasco
0: And I'm Big Head Joe.
1: And we've got a packed episode for you guys today. Um, our two main categories are going to be, obviously, the imminent release of War of the Spark coming out, or coming to Arena this Thursday, coming out, or the pre-release right. is it this weekend, and then we've got the, the actual set release next week. So we're going to talk about ten of our favorite cards from the set. Um... And the other big topic coming up this weekend also is Mythic Championship London. So those are going to be the big big pillars of the episode. And, I still uh, hopefully- can't even believe.
0: I'm sorry. I still can't even believe they're doing it the same weekend as the pre-release. It's ridiculous. I,
1: I still can't either. And I think we'll we'll touch on that again uh, like, when we get I to forgot. it. I forgot.
0: Like, I forgot the Mythic Championship is this weekend because I'm excited about the pre-release. Right. You know, yeah. like...
1: It's- Yeah, (laughs) it's it's just it's really like a lot. I'm kind of, you know, as I mentioned, I think briefly last episode, I don't know if it made the edit or not, but, uh, you know, I, I have to shoot a wedding this weekend. And because because I forgot to I forgot these things were happening this weekend. And normally that would be like, oh, man, I'm missing out on X thing. No, now it's I'm missing out on the pre-release and I'm missing out on mm-hmm. watching coverage of the Pro Tour. So I'm like, thanks for doubling up on one weekend and making me feel twice as much uh, like I'm missing twice out on Twice as much
0: FOMO. Yep. FOMO, yeah.
1: is the exact way that I was thinking in my head, but I, I didn't use that particular term. Uh, yeah, so um, – before we jump into those topics, I did. Uh, we had a couple random things that we wanted to say. I guess most most uh, podcasts call this housekeeping. But uh, first, want to shout out to Scott from KMC Sleeves, uh, KMC USA. Um, he sent me some KMC sleeves, and I'm going to try them out. Uh, not that I haven't used KMC before, but these are their latest offerings, and, and I'm going to check them out. Uh, it was just really cool. I kind of met him on Twitter. I, I had um, I had tweeted about some things that I wanted out of sleeves. And basically, for me, I really like subtle designs. I don't like, you know, anything crazy, squirrels and and all that stuff. I just want my (laughs) sleeves to be kind of plain. But I would also like them to have something on them so that I can see which way the deck is oriented, because that becomes a thing You know, all the time when I'm playing, I draw my card and it's upside down and I'm like, oh, turn my deck, you know, fetch land. I shuffle, you shuffle, give it back. I draw my card. It's upside down, man. You know, like when I use the sleeves that have no design on them. Um, So I I was tweeting to like all the sleeve manufacturers kind of like, this is what I would like, you know, durable sleeves, subtle designs. Um, And he was one of the people that wrote back. And I really appreciated that, uh, that he actually reached out to me, replied and said, hey, you know, I don't have exactly what you're suggesting but i do have these latest kinds of sleeves and i'm going to send you a pack so that was really cool of him and and, uh you know i I think it's worth you know we all use sleeves now i mean pretty much everybody that's listening that plays with paper magic cards is going to use sleeves so i figured um you know i'll i'll follow up on this after i get to try the sleeves and uh and, and let you all know how what I think of them. Not that we're necessarily a review podcast, but I still I still want to share my opinion of things. And so, we have opinions. You know, I'm gonna. We do have opinions. Yes. Um. Yeah. So shout out to Scott from KMC. I
0: love, and I was gonna say this. Like KMC Hypermats have always been my favorite sleeves. So that's actually what he sent me. Yeah. And it's super cool that like he reached out to us because I mean, like I said, I've always loved those sleeves. So just really neat. Yeah, their
1: their latest uh little commercials are really funny too. They have the uh they're they're kinda going with the parody of the Apple keynotes and uh and Scott's <laughs> in the commercial as sleeve jobs. Oh and, that's uh, great. it's it's pretty funny. Um you should check it out. There uh we'll, we'll link we'll link them in the show notes, why not?
0: For sure. Uh next thing I just wanted to mention because we just seem to always forget to mention it at the start of the show, um so I'm gonna get it out of the way. Uh, we have actually updated our Patreon. So we have a Patreon for those of you don't know, patreoncom taps. and we've updated it. Now it's super easy to get involved. It's uh, there's only three tiers right now. There's one dollar, two dollar, five dollars. Uh, one dollar just get you on the feed, get you on the Discord chat, which we really want you on the Discord chat. We have a lot of fun on Discord. Um, the two dollars is just for our little uh, deck box sticker, and the five dollars uh, get you. On the bumper sticker tier basically this is just kind of just the most general breakdown of the thing uh and now everyone who is a patron at any level is going to have access to the occasional yo podcasts that we're going to put out um so just wanted to let everyone know that like we've really streamlined it made it a lot easier to get involved so if you want to support the show get on there and uh throw us a few bucks and it'd be awesome yeah thank you yeah absolutely
1: Um, A reminder, as of today, the 23rd when we're uh, recording, uh, the War of the Spark novel is officially available and uh, I don't know if we mentioned it on the show, but there's an audiobook version you can get through Audible. Um, If you're not an Audible member – I think, you know, you can get, if you sign up for the first time, you get like a free audiobook So, hey, it's free and then just cancel your account. So, you know, you can do that. But uh, (laughs) I'm a longtime user of Audible, so I couldn't do that. Had to actually pay for it. Uh, (laughs) But I did. I bought, I pre-ordered it and and I got the email today, you know, your pre-order is ready. So I've listened to the first like 17 minutes of it. That's all I've had a chance to to do so far today. But uh, so far, so good, you know, it's just, just the intro, but, um. But yeah, so I think – just wanted to to mention that for anybody who's interested in the storyline that the actual novel is officially available.
0: I got an update. Mine is actually going to arrive tomorrow, which is very cool. So – and I actually – I ordered the the hardcover, so um, I'm excited to start reading. I'm actually really excited to start reading it because I'm like, wow – Magic novel. I'm like so. I'm like been antsy for it for a week. I'm not even going to lie. I really <laughs> have. So like, I'm I'm eager to tear through this book. And I'll we'll. Def, I'm sure we'll let y'all know how we feel about it when we're done reading it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Especially because we're both reading it. And it'll be fun to kind of talk about it. Uh,
0: Definitely. Maybe and, and that's the yo episode.
1: Yeah, maybe that, that's probably uh, it's not a bad idea. So we'll see. Um, th- this is just something <laughs> I have to mention it because I I don't know. Look. They just announced the Mythic Edition for the War of the Spark set. And of course, it's exciting. Like, they do this, you know, this awesome kind of promo set featuring, I don't know, what is it, eight planeswalkers um, with some really, really great artwork on them, Uh, extended art, borderless. And I think it's great. And, you know, it's especially exciting when they have exciting cards uh for me one of the most exciting cards in this particular release is jace the mind sculptor um one of my favorite cards ever a lot of people can say that um and i just have to say did anybody look at this (laughs) before like am i is it me like i know i have a very um you know my particular um field is related to to you know I, i i do photography i do uh, video kind of things um, uh, for Apparently work. you
0: do a wicked awesome job at graphic design too, based on the stickers that you did for us.
1: Oh, well, so. thank you. I appreciate that. Again, <laughs> um, I definitely appreciate the compliment. I- I'm happy with how they turned out. I um, feel great. Um, thank you. Uh, but yeah, so when you look at the Jace... There's some sort of wall or pillar on the left side of the card that just looks like it lines right up with where the border would be if this were a card with a border like most magic cards have. And so what it looks like is, hey, we made a borderless Jace, but we, we put a, one border – one side has a border and the rest doesn't. It just looks completely awkward to me. Like it stands out and – I don't get it. Like, it's not difficult to fix this. Like, I could fix it if I had the real art. Like, zoom in. That's it. Just zoom in. Or even zoom out. Like, I don't know what's over there, what's being cropped off out of the frame. But if there's more art, you could even zoom out and make it look less like a border. My personal decision would be zoom in, crop that out, and just make Jace, you know, slightly bigger in the frame. But this looks really weird to me when you're saying, hey, we have borderless cards, but... But this one still looks like it has a border on the left. Yeah, they should have zoomed
0: in. Like, that's so weird. I don't understand. Like, I get what they were trying to do. Like, I get that it's, like, showing, like, that there's, like, you know, some depth to it. But it doesn't play. You know, it's, like, it plays like a border. You're right. It's weird. I don't get it.
1: (sighs) Yeah. So, anyway, that's just a WTF- you know, I just just had to say it because I couldn't resist not saying it because it's it's disappointing. I think that's really what it comes down to. Like if this were just some random art that the, I would have been like, oh, that's weird. And if we hadn't if it were a slow news week, we may have brought it up. But yeah, it's Jace, the mind sculptor borderless. This sounds great. If someone told me a week ago that they were going to be releasing this, I would have been really pumped to see it. And now I'm just kind of disappointed personally because I can't not see I can't avoid seeing that um, border. Yeah. Um, uh, on another note, did you want to talk about this next little little thing? Well, yeah.
0: Um, I, I I don't. I didn't look too deep into the other artists, but uh, they're doing an entire. And I don't know like how they're releasing them, but they're doing a set of Japanese alternate art planeswalkers. Uh, you know, exclusively in the Japanese sets. Is it, it going to be? Are they going to be in packs? Um, yeah, I, th-
1: I think they're just in Japanese packs of War of the Spark.
0: And are there going to be the original art uh, walkers in this, in in those packs too? Like, I mean, is I it think gonna... so.
1: I think it, these are just kind of special ones you can get. Like, I, I thought I saw something like one out of every four packs or something. Maybe uh, don't quote me on that one though, because yeah, I'm yeah. not. Basically, to me, I, I heard, oh, these are only being released in Japan, or you know, the Japanese. Uh, printing of the set, so I thought, alright, well, if I want all of them, I have to buy a box of Japanese uh, War of the Spark, yeah. or just buy the whole set, you know, of alternate art ones on the on eBay or something, or, you know, a second secondary market kind of thing. There was but someone for offering me, them. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure people are already jumping on this, and it's, it's fantastic, but the, for me, the most exciting one, and the only one I really want, is the Liliana, which is, uh, the art, artist is Yoshitaka Amano, who is known previously for his work on uh, on Final Fantasy, the Final Fantasy series. Um, and that's where I fell in love with his his art style back in like the, the 90s, the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite artists ever, he did work on Sandman, which is one of my favorite comic series ever. And he did like a one-shot kind of graphic novel for Sandman. I have that. And uh, also I think Vampire Hunter D, which I never got into, but that's another um, – Another IP that has his artwork tied to it. I believe he actually created Vampire Hunter D, but I'm not huh. totally sure. Um, there's some more stuff, but to me, it's it's Final Fantasy. And so I'm like, oh, I have to get that Liliana, yeah. so I'm just going to buy that one by itself. But a lot of people are really digging all of these kind of alternate art. Uh, there's some are more like manga style, um, which it's not the first time we've seen that kind of thing. But previously, I believe it was just the Jace versus Chandra dual deck series that had like a jace and a chandra done in like a manga style and that was like a special alternate version of of the dual decks i think um i'm pretty sure maybe it maybe it was all the dual decks but i know that that was something that uh came out i mean it's been like 10 years or something um since that but very cool and i'd love to see them do more of this kind of thing with these alternate art um alternate art planeswalkers and non-foils, hopefully. My understanding is that these are non-foils or can come in both foil and non-foil, which to me is great. Like, I don't want the foil. That's just my thing. I don't like foils. Um, uh, This last thing, did you want to mention it? Yeah,
0: I just wanted to bring it like, so like, you know, they do that state of the beta thing. Yeah. So this this most recent one just kind of stated the obvious. It was just like, uh, War of the Sparks coming out. Uh, okay. (laughs) Like, there wasn't much to it. I don't know. Usually, like... I
1: I totally agree.
0: (laughs) The last couple months, uh, they've been, you know, pretty awesome in terms of, like, showing progress in the game. This was like, there's a new Battlefield and a new set coming out. Buy it. Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) Right. So, nothing to report,
0: which is kind of unfortunate. I was kind of hoping they would address more, like, issues, you know, directly, rather than just kind of... it, It seemed especially vague.
1: Right. It seems it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, people have been clamoring for this, so we've done it. You know, it's just like, hey, uh, if you weren't planning on playing Arena and because you didn't realize we were releasing War with a Spark on there, like we are. Right. <laughs> like, right. I, like this doesn't doesn't help anybody that wasn't already planning on playing because it's just the new sets coming out like we all know pretty much. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of stating the obvious. Um all right so what what do you want to do first which pillar of our our episode do you want to start with you want to start with uh should we start with with Mythic Championship London first and then that way uh you know then we can get into uh actually talking about individual cards Sure yeah
0: yeah actually right. yeah uh, honestly I didn't see this main topic too but
1: <laughs> you, Wait oh you didn't you didn't see I didn't what? see it on oh, the show
0: notes Oh right 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 whoops okay but well, uh, yes totally no absolutely let's run it down come on
1: i just think it's going to take like more than a a few minutes to talk about so i i called it one of the main topics um, sure, sure sure so mythic championship london it, coverage starts this friday at 9 a.m local time that's you know in london so it's 4 a.m here on the east coast even earlier for you there in texas they're going to start with the limited rounds the limited rounds are war of the spark limited and this is kind of a big deal because it's the the pre-release weekend nobody's played this set before and that's awesome
0: yeah for 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 this pro tour i like that you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like i like that for the pro tour i don't like it for our benefit you know like for as viewers you know we're gonna be busy playing war of the spark we're not gonna be watching mythic championship i don't know i'm not going to be i'm gonna be doing other stuff you know but um
1: Yeah, well, at the beginning, I'm going to be sleeping. Like, I'm not going to wake up for (laughs) to watch them play limited um, or the spark. But I do think it's an interesting thing to challenge the players in this way, Um, and really everybody's getting their first experience with this format at the same time. You know, during the Pro Tour, so or sorry, Mythic Championship. So I I do think it's really interesting for the players. Like you said, I I kind of don't think it matters as much to the audience. because we will be playing but also i kind of i am curious to kind of get the feedback i want to see how the players um what the players think of it really like what did you think of having to do this basically i think a lot of people are just printing out proxies because now that the full set's been released um or not released been revealed people are just printing out proxies and drafting now for the you know limited amount of days that they have before the event um but it, is, it does make it very difficult to prepare for, um, and I, I think that's a cool little wrinkle. Uh, the other half of the, the tournament is, of course, Modern Constructed, and this one is the very first event where we have the London Mulligan. Um, for those of you who may not have been aware of the new Mulligan rule being tested at this event, it is uh, basically every time you Mulligan, you draw seven cards. And then when you're satisfied with your hand, you put cards on the bottom of your library, equal to the number of times you've mulliganed. So if you mulligan twice, we'd say that's a mull to five. You you pick the best five cards in your hand that you want to keep and put the other two on the bottom. Um, This is, I I love it. Uh, It's been available on Magic Online now for a couple of weeks. Um, I haven't really heard many people complaining about it, aside from the same kind of complaining that was happening before anyone played with it, which was, this is going to make the linear deck's so much better. You know, decks like Tron and Dredge, uh, combo decks in in eternal formats like Modern and Legacy and, and Vintage, are going to have a field day with this. But uh, that was all kind of theorycraft, and I do think it obviously helps those decks, but it kind of helps every deck. So I haven't really seen much in terms of negative feedback for this, but we're going to see it on the big stage, um, this weekend and, and we'll, we'll see exactly how it, how it works out. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, dredge is one of the better decks in modern right now. So is Tron. Um, and both of those decks benefit from it. The, the reason those decks benefit from it more than other decks is because they're kind of quality versus quantity decks. Like they just need a few specific cards to really go off. Right. Um, whereas a deck like blue white control Or burn it's a quantity thing like burn is like i just need seven card seven spells and a mountain like (laughs) that's really you know like i i mean literally you know seven three damage spells and and a mountain to cast each one hopefully they all cost one um that's that's all i need to, to actually win but i need like i need all those cards so if i have less cards then uh then that's gonna that's gonna affect my my game. Sorry if you hear some noise in the background. My daughter and niece are, are here, so I think they were trying Talk to get into it. the room. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, so, yeah, so something like Burn doesn't benefit very much. I mean, you, you benefit in the same way that everybody does in, in the case that, like, hey, I drew a terrible hand and I can hopefully make something of it. But less cards uh, is more, um, more of a downside to a deck like Burn or Blue-White. Again, Blue-White, it just wants lands and spells and, right. you know, be able to, to answer threats one for one, hopefully. And, uh, eventually, you know, wrath the board or, or that kind of thing. So when you're down cards, it really doesn't matter that the cards that you have, you know, how much impact they have, because they're all kind of the same. It's like logic, knot or spell snare or remand, like they're all kind of doing the same thing. Um, so that's why it helps the linear decks more, but I'm really excited to kind of see how, how things work. At the Mythic Championship, uh, and, and if a lot of players chose their decks based on having this be the, the new mulligan rule,
0: I'm certain they will. I, mean, I can't imagine why you wouldn't, right? Yeah. You're going to take advantage of it. Like, if this is the change and this is the tournament you're at, you know, you got to bring a gun to a gunfight.
1: Right. You know? The thing is, with a, a deck, especially like Dredge um, and even Tron to, to a lesser degree, um, they do thrive when the metagame is unprepared for them. And they don't do very well when people show up with main deck surgical extraction and four copies of Leyline of the Void and Graft Digger's Cage and all kinds of graveyard hate or or non-basic land hate, you know. Yeah. I don't think Tron likes to see Blood Moon. You know, these, these are no. kind of things where... Um, it, it's a really kind of interesting... It's, you know, the scene from Princess Bride. Like, I know that you know that... <laughs> you know, like, they're switching the wine glasses, like... I know I, you may have brought dredge so I brought a whole lot of graveyard hate but the london mulligan means that dredge is better so you know it's kind of uh kind of the thing where um I'm kind of just curious to see how it shakes out like these decks are good when undisrupted but when everybody is expecting them and can prepare for them they're more likely to be disrupted and and I guess we'll we'll see how it goes um totally that's kind of the most exciting thing about this weekend to me um Another interesting wrinkle kind of thrown into the mix here in the last couple of weeks, and I think it's interesting. Uh, I'm going to just quote this. This is from the Hipsters of the Coast newsletter uh, because I just think they summed it up pretty well. So I'm going to go ahead and just read it. Um, Just two weeks before the Mythic Championship, Wizards informed players that their modern deck lists would be available to their opponents starting in round five. Uh, Wizard says that community feedback about the use of Twitch plugin Cardboard Live, which displays each player's full deck list, has been overwhelmingly positive, and that in order to level the playing field for players who get their deck lists revealed publicly, they will make all deck lists public starting in round five. Um, now, just I'm going to break the the quote here. Um, the other part of that is for sideboards, quantities of cards are not being revealed. It's just the card name so you don't know if someone has one ley line of the void or four just that's interesting for example um i'm not quite sure what led to that particular detail but um but you know i I guess that makes it a little more interesting because you're not sure you know okay they played you know one copy of the sideboard card i knew they had but maybe they have more I, i don't know i mean i guess they're trying to keep some mystery involved um that's good yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, now, just to finish up the little quote here, either one of these changes, referring to the London Mulligan and the public deck lists, uh, would a, would have a large impact on the tournament itself. Oh, also referring to the the, the fact that War of the Spark is the is the limited format. Uh so the combination of the two, plus a pre release draft format, has led to some players grumbling about Mythic Championship London being a giant experiment at the expense of the players. And um I can totally I can totally see that. This feels really like they're doing a lot of things Good. in one event. Good. Bring it all on. I don't agree I don't like it. <laughs> Go ahead. You, you you talk first. I've been talking a they're, lot.
0: They're on the pro tour. They they can handle it. They can handle adversity. They can handle challenges. They can handle curveballs. That's what they've been. That's what they've. That's why they're there because they're capable of uh, of adapting. So give it all to them. Let them. Let them. Let them be experimented on. I don't care. I think it's good. I think I think that weird changes and and keeping players guessing is good. And I get like. But they, I think they've done plenty. I know a lot of people are saying, like, "Oh well, you know, they're not. They haven't done enough stress tests on the London Mulligan." Yeah, they have. They just did it on, on Magic Online. They've got plenty of of uh, of testing on the London Mulligan. They can do all this. It's all fine. I think that everybody's just blowing it out of proportion, like we always do.
1: I think I one hundred percent agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> but i'm going to disagree a little bit. <laughs> i know that sounds weird, right? i totally except for all right. so like i feel like you're right that we we're probably blowing things out of proportion because that's what we do. uh but we have, you know, we're passionate people and i think for me as um as a viewer, i think i'm that's where i'm like yeah, 100% with you. i'm trying to think of it from the perspective of the players and i do feel like okay, you're going to you're going to make us play a limited format that ha- we that we basically can't test until a few days before the event. Okay, like cool. I think that's cool as a viewer and as a player, it's a challenge, that's fine. London Mulligan, yeah, you got to test it somewhere. You're going to test it in this this event. Okay, fine. And those are those are two separate things kind of from each other because really the London Mulligan people all pretty much unanimously agree that it's fine for standard and great for limited because you know those they don't have these crazy linear or even combo decks uh very often so i think for for those formats uh the london mulligan is totally fine it's the eternal formats that people are worried about with the london mulligan so um in a way while i'm pretty sure the, the london mulligan is going to be the the rule they're using for the limited portion of the event that that's not really where they're testing it they're testing it in the constructed format so these are kind of two separate things that have really nothing to do with one another. The, the you know, the London Mulligan is being tested and constructed. The new limited format is being tested in the limited portion. Okay. But then to throw in the public decklist thing also, I kind of feel like, couldn't you just wait? Like, I just don't understand the reason to jump in and do it now while you're also kind of trying to see how things go with this other factor. Well, this of.
0: They said right here in the thing, you know, um, to level the playing field for players who get their deck lists revealed publicly. Because like I said to you before, there's going to be someone who's trying to angle shoot and get that, get that information from somebody online um, if they know they're going up against someone, I mean, you can send a message and get information back within five ten seconds. Now, sure. that's the time it takes to walk to your table. So, if this other person you're playing against doesn't have their phone on, because you know, I, like I turn my phone off. Right. When I start an event, like in a long event, I turn my phone off completely. And I say, hopefully you don't hear from me all day to my girlfriend. I'm like, if you don't hear from me all day, that means I'm doing really well. The earlier you hear from me, the crappier my day is. You know what I mean? So, like, right. I just turn my phone off. So, I'm not going to be sitting there accessing deck lists. If I was in a feature match, I don't want my opponent having more information about me than I do about them. So, you know, if they're going to be using this Twitch plug Right, which they want to. Everybody loves it. I love it. I loved being able to click and see the deck list right there as I'm watching the stream. You know? Yeah. So I think that I think that they want to integrate this immediately because people love it. Because it is objectively kick ass, you know? Yeah. Um, so they want to get this in there. The only way to really do that and have it be fair to all players, and especially like this isn't just some Grand Prix, this is the the Mythic Championship. You know, so in order for that to be fair, they have to give everybody the deck lists. And I think that's just how it is. And I think that's what they're going to be doing going forward, Um, at least for the Mythic Championships. I don't think they're going to do it for Grand Prix's because it's a little random. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of players in a Grand Prix. So it's like very unlikely that you're going to really be able to come up with somebody's deck, but you still probably could.
1: Right, but I don't. Who it is? Yeah,
0: yeah. I think it's probably just a little too much for them to do. I don't think they would ever implement it on the Grand Prix level, but on the Mythic Championship level, there's a lot at stake, you know. And for one person to have an advantage over you because they decided to use their phone uh, between rounds, it's just I don't know. It's just not a good thing. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, especially you know, the person you're playing against might not have had a feature match last round, right? So. I-
1: I agree. Like everything you just said, I agree with. I I think I'm looking at the other cases where you decide as a player, like I'm going to attack the metagame in a way that people don't tend to. So I don't want my opponents to know what I'm playing because I'm not playing like a typical deck. Like it kind of takes that sort of thing out of the, out of the equation because it's kind of, you, if you're playing a deck that you're saying, I'm, I'm playing something that,
0: but that lasts, like, two turns max before somebody figures out what you're doing. Maybe. Play better. I mean,
1: it depends worried, on what it, what play it is. Play a better but... deck.
0: Or, or, or play better with the deck that you're bringing. You know, like, the element of surprise wears thin. You know, it only works for two turns in game one. And then they know what you're playing, and then so what?
1: Maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, I see what you're saying in a way, like, okay, yeah. If you're like, I'm going to bring a mill deck... Right, yeah. Someone goes turn one Hedron Crab. I think the jig is up, right? Like, you're right. like, okay, right. right. But if you are playing a deck that has, you know, you could be playing Grixis Control, which is not a deck you see very much of, um, and someone might look and go, I think they're Grixis Death Shadow I, by, based on the lands they're playing, things like, you know, but they haven't taken any, you know, are they Control? You know, maybe you switch into a Grixis Death Shadow after sideboard, like you have a transformative sideboard. That's, I'm making things up that don't, aren't necessarily a thing that people do, but I'm trying to use it for the purpose of the example to say like uh, people do try to, you know, transformative sideboards like that sort of takes that away also because you're like, Oh look, they were this kind of deck, but I see their entire sideboard make (laughs) is completely different. You know, it's, it's weird. You know, you're just kind of, uh, I, 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 I don't know. I don't, I don't like that. I kind of feel like it's, I thought it makes sense for like the top eight, you know, okay, at this point everybody the deck lists are known. I know that my opponent doesn't have Blood Moon. I don't have to worry about fetching basics. Stuff like that. Like but but that becomes a factor when, you know, in a normal normal tournament, like now you're like, oh, I know they don't have Blood Moon. I can fetch basics. This is great. Like even though part of part of the appeal of playing a deck that might have red in it is, hey. They might think i have blood moon and they'll play differently right just there's a lot of strategy that gets taken out when your opponent does know like why don't we just play with our hands revealed too like if we're (laughs) you know i know that's that's going way too far uh i know that's going way further with the uh the example but i'm just trying to illustrate the point that we're losing something here we're not just it's not all upside it's not all gains and um and we're, we're losing a bit of the strategy, I think, by making all the deck lists public in this way uh, less than, at this point.
0: I think less than everyone thinks, though. I think way less than everyone's assuming.
1: Well, we can move on because I think, you know, we've, we've said we've, what we think. And I do, I'm sure I've argued in a past episode, you know, years ago for the side of deck lists should be public because it's not fair that the people who have feature matches. Like their deck lists are sort of known to the public because they had a feature match and their opponents aren't. Like, I'm, I totally agree with that side. So I can see that benefit of it as well. But I, I do th- also see the downsides. Um, so yeah, we, we can move on now. Um,
0: yeah, let's, 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 you know, let's go ahead and, uh, let's get right into these spoilers. I really want to talk about spoilers. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, um I, do, I do want to ask you just because, just as the last point. As a person who loves playing Limited, in particular, uh Sealed, yes. looking at this, what do you feel like the – do you feel like the format is, is going to be like a lot slower? Like what what do you think of all these Planeswalkers in Limited format? How does that affect Limited? Fun
0: fact. I have no idea, and it's exciting. <laughs> like I'm serious. Like I really don't have a clue. I'm going to say this. Right now, as of right now, um because I have not had time to play – um arena much at all in the past couple months just because I've been doing schoolwork. So um my I went from Mythic and then went down and then I got up to Diamond and then went down and then got up to Platinum, like I, I but I, every 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 season, I've gotten stuck on a lower tier, right? Like, mm. so like I made it up to diamond the season after I made mythic, then I made it up to platinum, and now I'm I'm gold four. I'm like as far down gold as you can be, but I've actually brought my limited up to gold four as well. My gold, my limited, and my constructed both suck, but they're the same amount of suck, which is pretty cool. Like so. I've been really excited about limited again. Maybe I've been less excited about constructed. I kind of hate constructed. You know what my strategy lately has been on best of one. I'm playing, I'm playing red. I'm on the draw. I keep a pretty good hand. My opponent plays watery grave and I concede. (laughs) (laughs) I've got time for that. I lost. I'm I'm not going to win on the draw. Not against, not against Esper. Nope. I'm done. So I concede. I just like, I don't get,
1: I'm, well, it depends on what your goals are. Like if you're just trying to like – if you're like, I really want to play some magic, maybe you continue playing at that point to try to to make them It's a waste it, of right? time. Like,
0: I, 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 I lose in 10 minutes or I lose in 30 seconds. It's so much easier to lose in 30 seconds than to lose in 10 minutes. Sure. I can go play a game where I'm on the draw or when I'm on the play against a deck I can beat.
1: Sure, yeah. You know,
0: I cannot beat that deck on the draw. Like, I just can't. So, and best of one, especially. So, I'm like, eh, whatever. Concede. So, anyway.
1: So, for limited... That's
0: kind of where I'm at, where I'm sick of... I'm kind of sick of Constructed right now. I'm hoping War of the Spark changes that. I assume it will. But my strategy when War of the Spark comes out is to play a lot. I'm not going to... I don't think I'm going to buy the 50 packs for 50 bucks, Mm -hmm. even though it's a great deal, even though I've been tempted and have hovered over it about a dozen times in the past week. Um, I think I'm just going to buy gems and I'm going to play limited and limited and limited and uh, get up there on limited. That's Um, awesome. Because... I've been having fun with limited and I feel like I'm kind of getting a little better at it. We'll see. Uh but that's where I'm going to be. I'll let you know what I feel about the limited format in a couple weeks. Yep. Um I'm playing two pre-releases this Saturday. Um you know, both sealed, solo sealed, not two at a giant or anything. Um Saturday morning, so I'll have a lot a lot to say about it and I'll probably play a few um on on arena as well, but I haven't quite gotten there yet. Um, or I haven't actually decided if I want to spend money on it, to be honest. Um, so I don't know. And it's pretty crazy. It's the weirdest limited format. Part of my response to this is in my top 10. So, um, let's go so ahead we'll and get there, Yeah. Yeah. Let's hop on the top 10 here, uh, and talk about that.
1: Okay. Well, let's, uh, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and start with your number 10?
0: Sure. Uh, my number ten is a tie. I cheated twice. I had two ties.
1: That's <laughs> right. Um, I cheated too, and you'll find out in a second. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> my uh, my number ten is a tie. Uh, is a tie between Crunch Wrangler and Raging Crunch. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I mean that was my. I mean, Crunch Wrangler. That was my nickname in college. Uh, so. <laughs> You know, it's pretty exciting. I'll tell you what Crunch Wrangler does. I literally don't even know what it does. I don't care. They're on my top ten list because of the names. Um,
1: don't even worry about what they do then because that's not yeah, live okay. there. Forget it. Yeah, that's
0: great. But that's it. Uh, what – why would they name these cards Crunch Wrangler and Raging Crunch? Like it's, really?
1: It's like someone put – the like named them as like a, a, a placeholder because it was funny and someone else that was whose job it was to like update it just thought I guess that's what they're called and <laughs> just like let it go through.
0: Crunch Wrangler is the dirtiest green card name since Snapping Creeper.
1: <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I mean, I, the, I, what comes to mind for me is Shitness Cloak. <laughs> so I'm just like, really? That's it's that's the name of the card. Okay. I mean, that's, yeah, it's fine. Um, so.
0: I don't know I just wanted to get that out of the way because it's making it's been making me laugh.
1: Yeah, me too. It's especially great when you're going through the spoilers and you can't can't like see that word for you just basically ignore the n and you're just kind of like reading and you're just like these cards are great like i don't know what they do but it is hilarious i'm <laughs> really enjoying reading the spoiler um so yes. yeah uh okay that was a fair that was a fair bit of cheating i think uh, thank you thank you of...
0: cuz you can't mention one without the other you know sure sure i mean uh how can you have a raging crunch if you don't have someone to wrangle it
1: absolutely absolutely well mine's not as funny so um my number 10 here um is Enter the God Eternals, which is a sorcery for a black, a blue, a blue, and two more. Five mana sorcery, rare. Enter the God Eternals deals four damage to target creature, and you gain life equal to the damage dealt this way. So kind of like a big lightning helix for sorcery yep. speed, but for five mana, that's really bad. Um, target player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard. Okay, so that could be you, that could be them. Um, a mass four and we talked about a mass last week. So you basically get a, a 4-4 if you don't already have a zombie army uh, token. So this card, um, I saw Mike Flores referred to it kind of as similar to Bituminous Blast, which saw a lot of playback in the um, John Standard days uh, in like Shards of Alara, Zendikar block uh, constructed formats – not. Not Zendikar block constructed, but <laughs> the standard right. format that featured both of those blocks. Uh, yes. um, Bituminous Blast was an instant that did four damage to a, a creature and could cascade uh, into something that cost less than five. And, you know, that was that was another thing. You know, that was a completely different kind of upside where you could cascade into a Blood Elf then cascade into a Blightning. And, you know, like you'd see that kind of thing happening in standard. Uh, this might not be as exciting or unpredictable, but you do get the. Um, it's basically kind of in a weird way a flame tongue kavu. That's the other kind of uh, description, which was a card from gain yeah. Shift. Right, it's a four two that when it enters the battlefield, it does four damage to a creature, um, and I think it costs four. So you you basically you're getting a four four and dealing four and gaining four, and you know as the little bit of cherry on top, you can mill either yourself or your opponent for four. Um,
0: and it costs five, Yeah, and which this cost- is just really confusing.
1: Right, because all these fours, that has to, just <laughs> no consistency whatsoever. What are you doing? Uh, but I I do. Th- I feel like this card's pretty powerful. The bad thing is it needs it a target. A so if you've you right. got that in your deck and you're like, okay, great, I'm playing against Esper Control, um, you got a creature for me? Hey, can you play yeah. Alder of Bolas at least? Like, something. Like, <laughs> somebody plays something. And I'm assuming
0: this is sorcery speed, right? Yes, this is
1: sorcery speed. Okay. Uh, which so is, if
0: they use, like, one of the uh, creature lands, they couldn't... Um, yeah,
1: the, that's not going to work. Yeah, right. Unless they activate it during your turn, during your main phase or something. You know, like, you've, you've got it as a target during your main phase. Great. But and if they do that, I feel sorry for them. Yeah, I mean, go for it. But I don't think you need Enter the God Eternals to win that game. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's a really powerful card. It is... It, you know, it's only good when you have targets for it, but a lot of people play creatures, so I, I don't think that it's going to be hurting for targets, but you do have to think about the rest of the metagame, and of course right now we have a, a metagame that does include a deck like Esper Control that has no real targets consistently, so uh, so you got to wor- worry about that. But I do think it's a really powerful card. Um, my number nine, which is related to it, and it is interesting that you specifically called out whether or not this is a sorcery, um, is Commence the Endgame. Uh, this is a six converted mana costs instant rare. It costs blue, blue, and four, uh, this spell can't be countered. You draw two cards and then you amass X where X is the number of cards in your hand. Um, so you've at least got a two, two. If you're sitting there empty handed, when you cast this at the end of your opponent's turn, most likely, um, you can also kind of flash in a, a blocker if you need to, right? You're just kind of like a (laughs) chump blocker, but you get to draw two cards, uh, also and it can't be countered so
0: can't be countered is really cool yeah um and I, I love this card honestly and it's one of those things that like i've been wanting i just i just hate i hate i still and i and i i know you said in the show notes i can't wait till joe uh says he loves Esper control nope I still hate it. I still hate it, Joey. I tried. I played a couple games. I was like, "All right, let's see." And I got on there and played a couple games, and immediately lost to all the decks um, with this stupid deck that does nothing but draw cards and die. Um, and like, I like this because it gives you something on the board to maybe win the game with. You know, even if it's a two-two. You know, these kind of decks can just sit there and eventually just grind you out with something like that after they've gained control. Um, I like the fact that it can't be countered against um, another control deck, you know? Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Um, one thing I realized, and and uh, Dovin's Veto, right? Like, mm-hmm. I used to think very highly of this card when I first saw it. I guess I should say real quick what it is, and I'm, I'm sorry that I'm skipping around and not doing a card on my list. But uh, Dovin's Veto is a blue and a white. It's an instant. It can't be countered. Counter target non-creature spell. That's pretty cool and all, but I realized... They can just use their counterspell to counter the spell again. Like they don't have to. Okay, they couldn't counter Dovin's veto, but they can count the second counterspell to counter the spell I'm trying to protect.
1: Yeah, depending on what they what counterspell they have, if it's which, something. That which can hit it, yeah.
0: Which made me feel like oh I don't like that as much anymore. But this card you know can't be countered. Can't be countered on the spell itself. Uh, makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird to think about it that way, but it makes a bit more sense that way. Sorry. Um, so that's it. Um, but I like it. I like this card a lot. I think it's really good.
1: Yeah, and just a couple more notes about this, and this is why I specifically mentioned about it being an instant. Um, there are only a few instants. I think three that have a mass. Uh, it's commenced the end game. Lazotep plating, which is the uh, a blue and one instant, a mass one you and permanence, you control gain hexproof until end of turn. Oh, yeah. And then like that bad four mana counter spell. That's like a mass. And I don't know if it's a mass one or a mass two, but you, you counter a spell unless they pay two. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Um, but I, partly because I like Lazotep plating a lot more because, uh, and, and th- these are kind of ideas. I actually, uh, got from Mike's article on cool stuff a few days ago, because he really likes a mass. And I thought, you know what this, these are, you know, you're making me like it more than I did initially. Um, the idea of having instant speed, Amass mass cards and going, okay, end of turn, I'm going to cast laser plating. I get a, a one, one, and hexproof for you know a second whatever like even if you don't even care about the hexproof thing you don't need a target you just say I'm I got hexproof I have a one one untap enter the god eternals I've got a five five you know suddenly out of nowhere you just you just you know kill their creature draw four cards <laughs> you've got a five five that you didn't have during their last turn and you're able to attack with it um, you've got cards so so being able to like end step amass something and then untap and cast one of these sorcery speed amass cards like widespread brutality or invade the city Um, widespread brutality is the one that that amassed two and then basically pyroclasm um but the uh it's it's equal to the amount um or it's equal to the power of your army so if you don't have an army it's a pyroclasm but if you do already have an army you know say you played lazertep plating well now it does three to every other creature uh if you've got a bigger guy you're just you know you're doing all that much more damage um that's a sorcery but being able to untap with an army in play already allows you to just wrath the board except for your army creature which i think is really interesting and then invade the city is the one that uh, mike compares it to enigma drake and i think it's a relatively good comparison you've got a it costs three it's red white i'm sorry red blue and one and you amass x where x is the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard um in a deck that plays like if you notice all these cards i'm mentioning are grixis colors you play like a grixis control deck you play like augur of bolus to draw your your uh, instants and sorceries um and you you can basically end up creating a threat at the end of their turn that just grows during your turn you 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 know tap plating to you know counter a a burn spell if you want or to counter a discard spell uh to give yourself hex proof untap invade the city for you know what say four right now you've got a four four you might cast enter the god eternals like the next turn you just can create this huge creature and uh and and you even use that creature as a big blocker if you want to, but when mm-hmm. you've cleared the blockers, you can you can attack. I just love the idea of of the instant speed of mass cards working in concert with the sorcery speed of mass cards. So I kind of cheated by having two cards on my list with a mass and naming five. Um, <laughs> so <laughs>
0: that's we, funny. We can move uh, on. So, well, I, I just want to say that. Um, all the things that you mentioned play really nice with Niv Mizzet and Cackling Drake too, right? Um, and that's already a deck. And after rotation, apparently that's still a deck. So pretty neat because Cackling yeah. Drake was was this block, right? Right. So right. yeah. So wow, that's pretty neat. Um, and actually, commence the end game when I was just talking about it earlier. Mm-hmm. You said two, and I was thinking it just said a mass two. And I'm like, oh, no, it's actually a Mass X. So it really can end the game against a control deck. You oh, know? yeah, yeah, like yeah, If you're playing against a control deck, you, they can't counter it. You've got a big creature when you untap. And then, you know, if they don't deal with it right away, you've got, um, you know, you've got counter magic up to protect it or whatever.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, in most cases, you're you're likely to have something like a 5-5 five, five or a 6-6. Six, six. You just basically, you know, you've, you've got a few cards in your hand and you just drew two more. So, um, yeah. You're gonna have a big threat that is is essentially flashed in at the end of turn. Mm-hmm. And more cards. <laughs> so, so that's pretty for great. sure. Uh,
0: um okay.
1: Good? Yeah, I think we're on your number nine now. <laughs>
0: number nine. Number nine. My number nine is Ilharg the Razebor. Oh yeah. Uh it's a six six trampler for two red and three. It's a boar god. Obey the boar god. Whenever Ilharg the Raise Boar attacks it's a mythic rare. You may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. Return that creature to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. And then all the gods have this text at, uh, on the, at the end. When Ilharg the Ray's Boar dies or is put into exile from the battlefield, you may put it into its owner's library third from the top. So it's unkillable. It has it it gets you a free creature like with a Shino Sand Stalker type effect. Uh, Enter the battlefield triggers will work, but attack triggers will not. Right. So because it will already be attacking. Right. So I mean, this could create a whole other archetype. You could have you could create a Sneakin' Sow deck. You know, which is pretty sweet. Wait, hold on. I do you want another?
1: It. Do you want another? I do. I want another one.
0: A sui attack.
1: Wait, but, uh, um, I'm not sure I'm getting that.
0: Sui is like a pig oh, colour. Oh, no, no, Sal. I understand
1: that. Sorry. you. Would, oh. I, I just think I like the sneaking Sal because you just removed H from a deck name and made a whole other deck name.
0: <laughs> so, uh, but, um.
1: I prefer yeah. that one.
0: Uh, yes but I think it's a really cool card I mean these things are unkillable um well they like, they
1: are you you counter it it's gone you, counter right? it. you the, can counter it you can counter um, it the other way is of course which we were just talking about enter the god eternals mills for so I think that's very relevant killing uh, it these gods seeing playing getting getting milled after um you know or at least that's just one mode of enter the god eternals it does somehow deal with the gods which seems weird because it's the same they're, they're like on the same side right like here we are but not if you cast it against us then we get milled in the graveyard
0: <laughs> right um so uh the only other way you could really deal with them effectively is like a pacifism style effect yeah and i forget who i was who i saw on twitter mentioned there are no pacifism effects in the set yeah because a mass would not be fun right Uh, If somebody pacified your army Yeah so it's like exile You can exile it but you know then they can create A new one Um, But yeah but like yeah Exile effects aren't gonna deal with this Just goes into your graveyard Or I mean it goes into your library Um, It's just interesting And it's a great rate I mean 6-6 trample For 5 is a great rate Um, And not to mention The fact that you know the trample If they try to chump block or something You can still get your uh um and, you know talking about standard obviously you can still get your spectacle triggers um yeah. from the trample damage um and you get a big fatty and i think that like i want to build something ridiculous with this and the uh Galta primal hunter i mean who doesn't right
1: right um, yeah that's insane yeah
0: <laughs> right i mean it's like oh i get a free 12 12 okay <laughs> like
1: this set is so pushed like i don't remember it, a set feeling this pushed since you know, something like – I mean people have brought up Urza's Saga and I feel like that might be the best comparison because wow. New, New Phyrexia is another good one. But New Phyrexia had like the free spells and so that was almost pushed to the point of mistake, you know. But um, mm-hmm. but this set is – it's just like – you're like here's a six, six for five that when it dies, you get to tuck it. That's awesome. Oh, right. also <laughs> – Oh, man, see, I knew there was a drawback. No, you get to do that. Like, come on. You keep thinking there's going to be a drawback, and you're like, no, it's just more bonus abilities. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Yeah,
0: it's insane. This set is insane, Um, which is actually – it surprised me how easy it was for me to put together a top ten list for this set um, because I really thought – I don't know. I I feel like there's a lot of things that, like, are obvious – Mm -hmm. awesome that i didn't include on my list because i'm like everybody likes that i want to talk about other stuff you know what i mean yeah i agree so um so i kind of avoided a lot of stuff when i was making my list which actually made my list really easy to make it doesn't mean that the card the set only had 10 cards that excite me but it was like only 10 cards i really wanted to talk about we talked about some stuff last week i didn't put any of those on the list because i didn't want to rehash too much you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um but i think i did mention one or two anyway Let me move on to my number eight. Uh, My number eight is Finale of Devastation. Um, This is uh, two green and X. It's a sorcery. It's a mythic rare. Um, This is another cycle. I think that's weird Mm -hmm. that my nine and my eight are both parts of a cycle of mythic rares, actually. Um, So this says, search your library and or graveyard for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less and put it onto the battlefield. If you search your library this way, shuffle it. If X is 10 or more, creatures you control get plus X plus X and gain haste until end of turn. That's nice and all, but I'm not really interested in that part. Uh, The only note I wrote on my notes here is... Golgari decks searching up Jade Light Rangers with Wild Growth Elemental on the battlefield. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's annoying enough. It's annoying enough that they play Wild Growth Elemental and then they play a Jade Light Ranger and they reveal the top card of their deck and it's always another Explorer creature, right? Like always. So. This is just another way for that deck to get more consistent, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of other things you can search up with this, obviously. Um you can you can use this to um to have like kind of a toolbox of sideboard cards in your deck, uh one ofs that, you know, it means like Green Sun Zenith. Yep. You know what I mean?
1: It's very similar um, to Green Sun Zenith. In fact, you know, I think people kind of were referring to it as as a fixed Green Sun Zenith. Um and I do I I could totally see it. Uh, making its way into modern, assuming Green Sun Zenith stays on the banned list, um, because yeah. there are decks that can obviously use this sort of thing. Now, I might be a little too expensive, um, but I—I I don't know. I think people are going to try it, and I think it's worth worth exploring for sure. Uh, people talk about it. I've seen some people discussing it as a uh, kind of like a fifth copy of Summoners Pact in the the Amulet Titan decks to to find a Primeval Titan, but um, you know. I, I'm not sure it's, that's really necessary. I mean, you've got four copies of Summoners Pact, like to get your Titans. Um, it's it's unlikely to make that deck, but I guess you know I'm I'm still kind of new to the deck. I have been playing it now for a few weeks, but uh, so maybe I'm wrong. But I don't I don't see it necessarily making making the cut in that deck. But I do see the the reason it's worth discussing or possibly testing. Um, should I move on?
0: I, well yeah, but I can I mean I can also see this in like a green red ramp deck, which is inevitable that I'm gonna make a green red ramp deck at some point. It's right just on. gonna happen. Um but I can see this in a deck with Ilharg the rays boar. You know? Search up the the boar and then next turn swing, get another creature down. I mean it's just craziness that can happen with this card there's a lot of potential there are so many scenarios that it, we could do a whole episode on just scenarios of finale of devastation which means it's a pretty awesome card right it's in my top 10 so what about you what do you got for eight
1: all right so number eight is Sahili sublime Artis- Art- 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 artificer <laughs> however you say sweet. it sweet uh she is a legendary planeswalker uncommon uh three mana uh three converted mana cost it's a, it's a hybrid red blue hybrid red, blue, and one, um, whenever you cast a non creature spell, create a one, one colorless servo artifact creature token. That's the, the static ability. Um, she's got five loyalty, uh, minus two target artifact. You control becomes a copy of another target artifact or creature. You control until end of turn, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types. So, uh, Saheeli, sublime artificer. Like I, the first time I read this card, I read it the wrong way. Uh, And I was thinking about it in a blue deck, but then I saw red and, uh, I'm naming Sublime Songs. Um.
0: Wow. (laughs) Look, don't push me too far, okay? (laughs) Uh,
1: So here's what I got, as I was saying. Um, Sublime uh, references aside, I do think this card, um, being able to use it in a blue deck where you're casting a, a blue control deck, blue, red, maybe Grixis, um where you're casting non-creatures all the time and you're just building up a bunch of blockers at the same time, that's awesome just by itself. And that's completely ignoring the minus two, which can copy something else, uh, you know, another creature you might control. Maybe you have, like, uh, you know, depending on what kind of of deck you have, you know, you copying just another huge creature, like say, I don't know. Of course, I can't can't think of a a great example, Doom Whisperer something like that okay, like you're yeah. you're like I've got um these 1/1s one and I can just copy them copy other huge creatures just temporarily um until end of turn and just have have huge guys but I just think the the static ability is almost worth playing this card just because it's a uh, it's a it's a non-creature card itself and it's going to provide a bunch of blockers every time you cast a spell um I like it in a deck with in like an Arclight Phoenix deck. I know you hate those in standard, but Arclight Phoenix wants you to cast a bunch of non-creature spells. So wants you to cast a bunch of non-creature spells. Um, Finale of promise. Speaking of the the finale cycle, as you mentioned, that's the one that's the red one. It's like red, red X. You can cast an instant and or sorcery from your graveyard with mana cost X uh, without paying their mana cost. So if you, uh have like just two spells it's like an opt and a lightning not a lightning bolt an opt (laughs) and a shock or something in a blue red deck you cast finale of promise that's one spell then you just you cast an sorry opt is an instant (laughs) i need a sorcery what's a sorcery speed one drop um uh i don't know okay whatever whatever um Uh, I'm like, Serum Visions, so that's modern. You're doing, but- so,
0: uh, once again, you're doing way too much work to get a stupid 3-2 flyer. I honestly think that this just replaces the Phoenix. Like, just please, please. And if, by the way, Sahili is what I got for number seven.
1: Oh, well, yeah. Uh, so, that's what you so got, y- and then I said what yeah. I got. And, you know, interesting. Yeah,
0: um, uh, but, but please cut Phoenix from your stupid decks and put this in. <laughs> uh, because this is so much better. Like, instead, you play Drake. And then you that's play this. That's the creature this. you copy.
1: That's what I... I have it written right on, next to the card, right. and I didn't read it.
0: <laughs> right. You make... You, you play this. You play Drake. You play any spell. You get a 1-1, one, one, and then you copy the Drake, and you swing with both Drakes. Yeah. Um, that's now, that's, you know, what, that's if what you know you If yeah. you keep Phoenix in your deck with this card in the format, you're only going to die for your own arrogance. So, I still like...
1: like it. I still like uh, Phoenix. I like Phoenix with Finale of Promise, and I like all those in this deck, because Finale of Promise basically casts the other spells so all you need are two cards in your graveyard an instant and a sorcery and finale of promise that brings back phoenix all by itself so you have one card in hand that does it so i, I just think that's an interesting kind of interaction you build like a blue red phoenix deck and and you can bring back the phoenixes pretty easily um but yeah go ahead and cut the phoenixes and play it play it the way you're saying i think it would I be mean, really good to
0: play phoenix play play saheeli it's all the same in the
1: end Miss it right i mean more non-creature yeah. spells so um, okay, uh, I guess do we move on to my number seven? Right? Is that where we're at? Uh, uh yes, yeah.
0: okay. yes, yes, yes. So, I don't have a lot. Sorry lock- I saw, sorry I saw red there.
1: No, no, it's all good. <laughs> um, so, then my number seven is Ashiok Dream Render. It is, uh, hybrid, okay. hybrid blue-black, hybrid blue-black one. So, three converted mana cost. Legendary Planeswalker Ashiok is an uncommon. Stat- static ability is spells and abilities your opponents control can't cause their controller to search their library uh five loyalty minus one target player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard then exile each opponent's graveyard i'm just i don't have a lot to say about this, this one except it's like the most hateful unfun card i've ever seen <laughs> yeah. it's like you can't search and also i'm gonna i'm gonna exile your graveyard every turn um, Every turn. It's basically like, what are the two decks Joey pasco has been playing recently? Dredge and Amulet Titan in modern? Okay, let's just create a Planeswalker that hoses those two decks specifically. <laughs> so I, I think, uh, you know, if you had asked me three months ago, I would have thought, this card's awesome. And now I'm like, I hate this card. And there's really no reason that I changed my opinion.
0: I like the card a lot, um, but I can't really think of how it's that great in standard, which is the only thing I'm really evaluating these cards based on, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's the only thing I really care about is uh, standard or limited, but I'm mostly talking about, mostly talking about constructed on this top 10. Sure. Sure. You know? So, um, so I don't really, I can't think of too many cards where you search your library. I'll go, I guess that's changing now. Right. With like the, with like the um, finale of devastation and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, I guess there are some cards that you search your library now, but I couldn't think of too many off the top of my head when I was making my top 10 list um, that this would really be needed for. Right. So it didn't make my list. But I think it's a really cool card. Yeah, you know, I, I like the fact that it exists for sure.
1: Yeah, I think the, the thing about the – th- the reason I'm not t- too scared of it is Shadow of Doubt already exists in modern. People right. play it occasionally. I mean that's just a one shot like you can't search. But I, I don't feel like that's uh, – that scary people really don't play that card very often and then the the other ability it's just more graveyard hate for modern that has tons of graveyard hate already so it's kind of like here's a a card that can do double duty but um and and it likely will see some play i think but i'm not like oh goodness the decks that i that i play now uh neither of them are playable i don't i don't think that at all so what's your what number seven
0: well, I already did my number seven because okay. you did my number seven. Oh, cool. All right. And as literally the only note I had for Sahili was, please cut Phoenix for your, from your stupid decks for this. Oh, um, good. Okay. So, uh, number six for me is uh, Mobilized District. I like this card. Um, yes, I figured you would like this card. This is a very Joey Pasco
1: card. It's not on my list, um, but I like it.
0: But I know you. I knew you'd like it. Uh, mobilized District is a land. It's a rare. Tap it to add a colorless. And then tap four, Mobilized District becomes a 3-3 citizen creature with Vigilance until end of turn. It's still a land. This ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature and planeswalker you control. So, it could potentially cost less. It could potentially be free. More than likely the kind of decks that want to run this. Um, aren't going to have four of any of those permanents. They might have one or two. Um, I feel like this set coming out is going to really give, especially like, I'm really thinking about this in like a blue-white control deck. Mm -hmm. Um, Cutting black and just going with blue-white and just getting back to that classic control deck um, where you actually have a finisher, Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, you know, with the with the planeswalkers that are available to blue white, I feel like you might have one or two planeswalkers alongside this. Yeah, um, like um, and so this could cost two for three, three with Vigilant. I think that's a great rate um, and it finishes games. It keeps the games from going 80 turns and hoping people will just concede. Um, and I guess I'll do my number five, too, because it plays into what I'm talking about here. Uh, the note I wrote for this was, finally, Esper can do something other than draw cards and die. Um, <laughs> so, awesome.
1: Uh,
0: Teo the Shield Mage is my number five. I like this one. Um, Again, not on my it, list, but I like it. Right on. Uh, Teo the Shield Mage is a white and two. It's an uncommon. It's a legendary planeswalker. Uh, has five loyalty when it enters the battlefield. It says, you have hexproof. It says, uh, y- y- the red decks don't like you. And then it says, minus two, create an O three 3 white wall creature token with defenders. So this is just, like, <laughs> the ultimate aggro hoser card. Just in just one little, one little planeswalker, just to, like, in- invalidate an entire deck for starters. And then just to, to slow a lot of other progress of other decks Um, So I just think it's a neat card. Um, And I think, again, if there's going to be a blue-white control deck, um, obviously you're going to have Teferi, uh, which is going to be the cornerstone. I think this card goes right alongside Teferi. And I'm talking about old-school Teferi, not the one from this set. I'm not certain about that one yet. We kind of talked about it last uh, episode. Yeah. Um, I'm not really certain where that slots in, but I'm certain this does. Um, So, I mean, this... And then, uh, you know, the mobilized district, uh, once you stabilize, um, you can start swinging in, get the job done. So I kind of like it. And I like, I like the, kind of the combination of those cards um, going towards making like a more streamlined, more traditional uh, control deck happen mm-hmm. with maybe more counter spells, more card draw, uh, and a way to actually finish the game. So yeah, it's that's interesting. What I'm looking forward to.
1: I think Viashino Pyromancer right comes down and says, "Target player, get you know, deals two to target player." Like right, If you have Teo right. in play, then the bread deck has to target themselves. I think that's kind of interesting. Right? They
0: like, do, don't they? They yeah. actually do. Like they not just not just can they not target you? They, they actually, have to. It doesn't say you may deal.
1: Yeah. The good thing it's is not a may um, on so you know. May. The upside of that is that if you're playing against Teo, you're unlikely to be facing, facing an aggressive deck where that two life matters that much. But still, you know, it's true. like extra little bit of uh, dagger there. <laughs>
0: but if they are running those, I mean, like if they're running uh, those uh, districts? mobilized yeah. districts, yeah. Good point. Uh, then it actually takes a whole turn off your clock. Yep. So
1: That's true. Um, it's relevant. Yeah. Okay, so my number six uh, also would be good, I think, in these blue-white control decks. But it, it sort of is something that they don't need yet, but they might need or might want post-rotation. It's Narset, Parter of Veils, three mana, Planeswalker, uh, blue, blue, and one, five loyalty. Uh, Uncommon. Each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn. That's a nice little hoser for a lot of decks, um, mainly other control decks, but, like, Mm -hmm. even Salt Eye with, like, uh, the Hydroid Crisis kind of thing. Um, Yes. uh, The minus two, look at your top four cards of your library. You may reveal a non-creature, non-land from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Minus two, search for Ascanta basically. Or, I'm sorry, minus two. Yes. Activate Ascanta the Sunken Ruin. So you get two activations of an Ascanta off of Narset. (sighs) Um... And a planeswalker that sticks around if, you know, at one loyalty, which a lot of these are doing, which is really interesting that they have like – they're at kind of designed lo- oh, this way. About
0: two, oh, you're talking about two uh, activations Yeah, right. So, so okay. Teo,
1: same thing. You activate it yes. twice and it sits there at one loyalty if they don't do anything um, to it. So the static ability can just be relevant sitting there until they decide they want to attack it or, or you know, shoot it with something. Um, Chain
0: so, Whirler does deal with a lot of one loyalty planeswalkers that, pretty easily though.
1: That is a very good point. I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about that the other day too. Uh, The chain world are actually going to be, you know, maybe. I mean, I was going to say it's even better. I don't know if it's even better, but it's just still good in a world where a still lot good. of these Planeswalkers are going to be sitting on the board with one loyalty uh, after they've been activated twice. But at the same time, I think if I'm playing one of these Planeswalkers and I've activated it twice, I'm kind of okay with losing it at that point. Um, it's They don't have a tick-up ability. They don't have an ultimate, so I'm not really worried about them sticking around other than keeping the static ability. So, um, But I just think it's a cool card, um, and I could see it uh, making a couple appearances in index that want uh, that maybe want planeswalkers like something and you know there's a there's a card that was in my was on my list and now I cut it but maybe on yours the um the elder spell is that on your list
0: Sure it's a great card it's not on my list okay. but well, uh, it's, it's a great freaking card
1: It's one where you you know you can destroy any number of target planeswalkers and then choose a planeswalker you control add two counters for every planeswalker you destroyed well you don't have to target your opponent's planeswalkers; you can target your own. So having these planeswalkers sit around at one loyalty, just sitting on the board, um, then you cast the elder spell and be like, "I'm going to destroy my couple of planeswalkers and put all these counters on my, you know, Nicol Bolas ultimate." You lose, You're like <laughs> in you know, for two mana and a couple of random planeswalkers doing nothing. So maybe a deck built around uh the elder spell is gonna want a lot of these planeswalkers. Um so anyway, we can move on. Anything else you want anything you wanted to mention about Narset? Uh,
0: uh yes, when I read this last night at like one in the morning when I was making my list, um I think I read it as each player can't draw more than one card oh, each well. turn. And I was like, that's not that good. And I was like, but I let you pick a card and then I was like, wait a minute, each opponent oh it only punished oh Wow, that's insane. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the, this card's really really good. So, okay. <laughs> the downside
1: is something like we've got all these mechanics in the game now that put a card in your hand without drawing it. Like quote unquote that's drawing true. it, right? So even Search for Ascanta flips and you it's Ascanta the Sunken Ruin uh puts a card in your hand. It's not you're not drawing a card, but you're drawing a card basically, right? So it's like it, it doesn't shut off as much as it as it should you'd think. Like I think um Officially, like, Explore doesn't draw a card either, right? It's just, Light up the stage, put doesn't card draw in your a hand. Card. Like, Yeah, so you have a lot of cards that basically draw cards without officially drawing cards and won't uh, be affected by Narset's ability. So that's something to keep in mind. Um,
0: drawing cards is so 2014. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> so my number five is God Eternal Oketra. Um, nice. Mythic Rare, five converted mana cost, white, white, and three. Legendary Creature, Zombie God... Three, six, double strike. Whenever you cast a creature spell, create a four, four black zombie warrior creature token with vigilance. And it has the God ability of, of tucking itself. So, you know, all these gods go tuck themselves. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> these creatures are incredible, right? Like, I just feel like every time you cast a creature spell, you get a four, four. Oh, also, and the creature you you cast, as long as it didn't get countered, you also get that. Um, I heard Chapin mentioning, and I feel like this is a perfect place for it is in some sort of like mid range green white deck that plays cards like Lanowar elf to sort of ramp into bigger creatures, but also late game, you draw a Lanowar elf and you're like, I'll put five power on the board, you know, cast oh my one God, mana Lanowar right. elf, four, four vigilance. Like that's incredible. And I just think these, these gods are just so powerful. Um, anything, anything to add?
0: That's yeah, this is really good. Um, and I didn't even think about that with, like, the ramp spells. Because like, you ramp to this super fast. And then all those dead... Because, yeah, once you have, like, eight mana, you dr- top deck a land where i oh, great. Yeah. Just what I needed, you know? Like, I hate that. And, I, you know, someone who frequently does play ramp decks, those, those late draw mana dorks are just terrible. Right. So that's a really cool application for this card, and I like it a lot. I like all the gods, but I chose one. You know what I mean? Okay. So um, for my for my uh, top ten. But this one's awesome, and it was in consideration as well. So, um, yes. So, so you're anyway, number
1: five or number four?
0: I'm on my number four. Go for
1: it. Okay.
0: Um, because I skipped one because I had Sahili yep. on my list. Uh, my number four is a tie. Um, it's uh, Chandra Fire Artisan. Nice. And Mizzium Tank, believe it or not. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know. I thought it was an odd choice myself when I made it. I was like, okay, we're going to put this on there, though, and I'll explain why. So uh, Chandra, Um, first of all, Chandra Fire Artisan. Chandra is a red, red, and two. Uh, It's a rare, not a mythic. It's a rare for loyalty. Whenever one or more loyalty counters are removed from Chandra Fire Artisan, she deals that much damage to target opponent or planeswalker. Right, Um, And then you have plus one, exile the top card of your library, you may play it this turn. Minus seven, which again, that's going to be a while or you might not ever do that. Exile the top seven cards of your library, you may play them this turn. So um, pretty much I think Joey and I are in agreement that the way this card plays is that you plus one it and you plus one it and you plus one it forever. Yeah. until your opponent decides, oh, I need to deal with that yeah. because it's really getting out of hand. And then when they deal with it, it's even worse because then it deals damage to them. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think it's an awesome card for that. I don't know um, if it gets played uh, right away, at least in like Burn. I'm not sure. Um, but the other card that I have on here is Mizium Tank. And Mizzium Tank is a is one red red, and it's an artifact vehicle. It's a rare. It's a 3-2 trample. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, Mizzium Tank becomes an artifact creature and gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. So um, And then it has crew one, which I don't think you're ever going to crew this, but I guess you could, obviously. Um, you could crew this for one. Uh, the reason why I mentioned both these cards is because... You know i 'm playing I have a burn deck built, and i 'm kind of looking past rotation and I feel like um, this card could potentially slot in where chain whirler is right now in the burn deck because you know it 's not chain whirler obviously, but um it does a lot of what chain whirler does is attack, and like you 're playing non creature spells around chain whirler when you do that this pumps and pumps and pumps and it gets bigger. And it has trample, so it can get damaged through. And again, trample's really important when you have spectacle, and spectacle makes it pass rotation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Chandra, I feel like, is an obvious replacement for Experimental Frenzy. Yeah. You know? So I'm kind of thinking about these in, like, the template of the current mono red deck. Right. Which is why I wanted to mention both of them, because I feel like after rotation, they could both have a home. Um in, in, in a red deck that's pretty much trying to do exactly what the red deck that we have currently is doing, um, but with these cards kind of in those places. Is that better? No. But, um, you know, we don't know the metagame after rotation either. Right. So it could actually be great, or it could be terrible. But Mizzium Tank's like 50 cents right now. So, you know, it's not a, if there's ever been a good time to pick up a card after for after rotation, it's now um, – So that's, that's all I have to say about those. Um, so yeah, just, just,
1: I just want to touch on Chandra real quick. Like, uh, it's (laughs) like a slow lava ax. I think you're right. It's, you just play it and you keep plussing it until you can minus it, I guess if you want, like until you can minus seven it. Um, because it's like, if they, if they don't deal with it, that's, they have to, like, they're gonna, they're gonna take a ton of damage. Uh, just off of the ultimate but if they do deal with it like if they the best case scenario is it's a slow lava axe like they basically have to go okay you plus one did it's got five loyalty if i can deal with it immediately five damage is all i'm going to take and they only got the one plus one like that's best case scenario but if you just let it sit there that's not going to work out well for you and you're at minimum taking five like as soon as as soon as chandra hits the board if you uh if you deal with it so i, I kind of feel like it's just that's how you I don't it's it's a great card, but it it does compete with that experimental frenzy slot right now. So it's, right. it's a little is tough. is it
0: better than Frenzy? I don't think so. But um I don't I, I just don't know, honestly. Maybe it is.
1: It'll be interesting to, to test. So
0: Right. So for number three, uh, I have Spark Harvest. Like I said, I had something in here that was related to um to limited, right? Um so but also it has constructed applications as well. Uh but for, for me, most excited about it in limited. So Spark Harvest is uh, one black mana. It's a sorcery. It's a common, mercifully. We might have talked about this. I don't remember. I don't uh, think so. But anyway, but, but go well, ahead. we're going to talk about it like we didn't. Um, as an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature or pay three and a black. Destroy target creature or planeswalker. So destroy target planeswalker at common in the planeswalker set for limited is a very good thing and a positive thing Absolutely. to have in the environment um because we need that you know like there needs to be something that's going to check these planeswalkers once in a while right you know because we all know playing limited um your opponent sticks a planeswalker you're like are you serious you know because <laughs> first of all because they're usually mythic rares yeah. so you're like oh nice mythic rare buddy you know like whatever Um, But now we got them all over. First of all, we have to lose that mindset of as soon as someone sticks a Planeswalker, I'm kind of screwed. Right. (laughs) Because there's going to be a lot of them. Your opponent will always stick a Planeswalker at some point during your match.
1: And so will you, most likely.
0: And so will you, exactly. Um, So anyway, this is a cool card because you can either pay five and straight up kill any creature or any Planeswalker... Or you can sacrifice a creature and pay one, which is super good. You know, it's just a great rate. Yeah. Um, but I'm also excited for this um, for the deck we talked about on the last show. Uh, kind of a Jund uh, Sacrifice deck.
1: Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. That's actually a really good point.
0: So, yeah, so this actually can – this is another sacrifice outlet for creatures. Um, works good with the Dreadhorde um, – Whatever mabob, uh, which one is it? Did I was gonna say Arcanist, but I know it's not Arcanist. Butcher, yes, right. dreadhorde butcher. Um, so you can sacrifice um, to deal damage to something, um, but of course this is sorcery speed, so you have to do it like on your turn, main phase, you know. So it's not the best option. But it's okay in a pinch,
1: well, you know? It, you know what it reminds me of, in fact, is Lightning Axe, which is a card that was originally printed, I believe, in Time Spiral and then reprinted in Shadows over Innistrad, but sees play in Modern a lot. So Lightning Axe is a one red for an instant to deal five damage to target creature. As an additional cost, you can either discard a card or pay five. And nobody pays ah. six for this. But right. in Modern, like, you play it in Dredge because, hey, look, I get to discard one a card that I wanted to discard anyway. And I get the and it's my removal, right? It's my version of Path to Exile in, in something like Dredge. Um, this reminds me a lot of that because in this deck that you're you're referring to wants to sacrifice creatures, and you, it's like, oh, here's another way to sacrifice a creature and also deal with something that I would normally have trouble dealing with or would have to spend right. a lot of resources dealing with. You know, um, I think that's I mean that's a really good. Uh, I, I think it's a pretty good analog to Lightning Axe, uh, which yeah, again, does, it's it's he's playing in modern. It's a good card, and yeah, it's an instant. That's the the one one right. thing about it that's a little different than this. But um,
0: but Lightning Axe can't kill a planeswalker. Sure, so. sure,
1: exactly. Yeah. So this kills creatures or planeswalkers. Uh, it does have the the option to pay like way too much mana for it, or if you're like, hey, if only I could sacrifice my Dreadhorde Butcher. Uh, and deal a bunch of damage, and kill something at the same time. Like, this gives you that option. I, I really could totally see this in that kind of deck. Even uh, even if not the main deck, then the sideboard. Just yeah. your opponent has a lot of Planeswalkers, then, then that's a I don't know. great I mean, option. Most of, the,
0: most of the decks are playing creatures or Planeswalkers. Sure.
1: It's certainly not so dead. I, I feel yeah. like
0: main deck is fine. You know what I mean? Like, I really do. Because, I mean, the deck that's creatureless is always going to have Planeswalkers. I don't think there's any deck that's not running either, right? Right.
1: I mean, uh, it's... I can't imagine, you know, uh, I, the best example I could come up with would be like Esper Control, but that's playing some Planeswalkers. So you still you're going to want to do yeah, that. You just you, won't you, have you, as many targets until they... You want to kill oh. it's a fairy. Yeah. You know,
0: like, um, and I can't imagine when we add 36 Planeswalkers to standard that people, that there will be a problem finding a Planeswalker to kill.
1: Right, right. Exactly. Probably
0: very little problem. So... yeah. Anyway, that's all I got for Spark Harvest. Do you want to add anything or you want to move on to your uh, number uh, four? Number
1: four. Okay, yeah. So uh, I'll talk about a card that can be targeted with Spark Harvest. How about that? (laughs) Sounds great. (laughs) So Gideon Blackblade is my number four. Yes. So back in, in 2010 when Rise of the Eldrazi came out, Gideon was one of the cards that I – I don't know if I realized how good it was before the set, but it was one of my favorite cards in the set. I mean I think that and Vengevine were like my two favorite cards in the deck or in the set. Um, Gideon has always kind of been a, a character I loved and you probably saw on Twitter. Like he, it was just one of my favorite cards in that set. He's one of my favorite Planeswalkers and I don't think any Gideon since has really lived up to the original – um, mostly because a lot of the gideons have been more um, a little had more of an aggressive bent than the first one they all kind of have this kind of cool thing where they they can be a creature and attack but they can also provide some sort of uh, defense for you and the first gideon was great at that but You know, over the past month or so, I've been thinking a lot about the original Gideon just because it's the same time of year and I've been kind of just nostalgic for that time. Like, oh, man, I remember when that came out. And uh, anyway, Gideon Blackblade is just another awesome version of Gideon. Maybe not as good as the original, but it's a three mana Planeswalker, uh, white, white, one legendary Planeswalker. Gideon Mythic Rare starts with four Loyalty. Uh, The static ability is as long as it's your turn, Gideon Blackblade is a 4-4 human soldier creature with indestructible that's still a planeswalker. Prevent all damage that would would be dealt to Gideon Blackblade during your turn. So his static ability is basically like what you had to usually uh, pay for one way or another, whether you're adding or removing loyalty counters on his other versions um, a lot of times. Like, he's just always this. So that is kind of like you get to activate him twice. You get that ability all the time, plus you get to use one of his other abilities, uh, which are plus one, up to one other target creature you control gains your choice of Vigilance, Lifelink, or Indestructible until end of turn, and minus six, Exile target non-land permanent. So, um, he's... Uh, I, I, I really like this card, and it's got kind of ob- obvious applications in something like White Weenie, although the three-drop slot in that deck is already pretty <laughs> pretty tight where you've got History of Banalia and um, what's the... Uh, the unsta- something for- formation. What is it? Uh, unbreakable formation? Unbreakable yeah. formation. I was like, unstable formation? That doesn't sound good. <laughs> that sounds no. like, like they wouldn't be. That's a really bad formation to be in. Yes. No, so unbreakable formation. Um, yeah, like those are two of the three the three drops that are already um, great options for that deck, but I could totally see Gideon in there uh, as well. And I just, I think I just like the flavor of the card. The art is fantastic. The, the idea that Gideon now has the black blade, uh, which if you don't know, it's a, a Dak on black blade all the way back in legends was a character who ostensibly wielded the black blade. And we've got uh, ever since then we had Corlash heir to black blade which was in Time Spiral, or at least Time Spiral block. And that it's was an awesome safe. card. And now we've got Gideon Blackblade. So I'm kind of excited to see this sword uh, keep coming back because you go back to, you know, you have Nicol Bolas. Obviously, a huge character right now comes from the original Legend set, and here's another throwback to that that era, and I love that too. So I, I think it's a great card. I think it's going to see a ton of play, and I think... um. I think it's got a – it's a home run in terms of like the flavor.
0: Not to mention the fact that the, uh, the spell book or what is it oh, called? Yeah. The signature Gideon's spell signature series? Signature spell book, yeah. Yeah. Um, there is – what is the card, the actual card?
1: Black Blade Reforged.
0: Yes, and it is um, art by Richard Kane Ferguson, which yeah. is amazing.
1: Yeah, that's the original artist for Dak on Blackblade and also the artist for Corlash, Heir to Blackblade. Mm-hmm. So uh, I kind of wish they had gotten someone or gotten Richard Kane Ferguson to do the, the art for Gideon Blackblade, but this art is fantastic. Um,
0: yes, it really is.
1: I don't, the artist is not a name I recognize, but it's an amazing piece. Victor uh, Taitov, I guess, Um Looks like that's what it says. It's a name I don't recognize, but it's fantastic, and I love it. And it's a card that I'm kind of excited to play, even if I'm not exactly sure where beyond like an obvious kind of white weenie sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my yeah, that's yeah. my number four.
0: I definitely I love it too, and uh, I don't know why I didn't put it on my list. I think again because it was maybe a little too obvious. Mm-hmm. So I just decided not to, and also, you know, I I did kind of assume you would have that one on your list with all the tweeting you were doing about Gideon.
1: So
0: <laughs> that's I was fair. Like, eh, there's no fair. reason to waste a slot.
1: No, I mean this set. I, we I know we talked about it already, but like it's so pushed. Like you could kind of give me ten random cards, and I'd have been pretty much fine with that. <laughs> like, right. It's like there are so many exciting cards in this set. So
0: um, there's so much.
1: I guess. Am I on my number three now? Is that? Yes. All right. Well, since we we kind of just mentioned it, my number three is another very obvious card, Nicol Bolas Dragon God. Uh, yes. Gotta be... again, yeah. I
0: knew you were going to mention Nicol Bolas, so I was like, there's no reason to put that on my list. Yeah,
1: that's fair. That's fair. Um, Nicol Bolas Dragon God, for those of you who haven't seen it, it is, its it's got to be the most powerful Planeswalker in the set. One of the most powerful Planeswalkers, I think, ever printed. One of the most restrictive mana costs on a Planeswalker ever printed. At, uh, <laughs>
0: That's definitely true.
1: Red, black, 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 blue. So five mana. Um, very Cruel Ultimatum-esque there. Um, mm-hmm. You just add another red and another another blue, and it's Cruel Ultimatum mana. Um, comes into play with four loyalty. It's a mythic. I'm sure you're shocked. Um, Nico Bolas, Dragon God, has all loyalty abilities of all other Planeswalkers on the battlefield. So whatever you got already, whatever your opponent has, you, you have whatever they have and whatever you already have. So that's that's already fantastic. Uh, plus one, you draw a card, each opponent exiles a card from their hand or a permanent they control. So you're up a card, they're down a card one one way or another. Um, minus three, det- destroy target creature or planeswalker. And minus eight, each opponent who doesn't control a legendary creature or planeswalker loses the game. So, <laughs> um it's obviously powerful the big thing is going to be the mana cost um but it was funny because i swear i just watched something the other day and i think it might have been one of the videos uh tcg player has a pretty awesome youtube channel they do a lot of cool videos and one of their series is called pretty deece with john corpora and or john corpora i'm not exactly sure where the the uh (laughs) emphasis on his last name is but uh John does these great videos, and I think it was one of his that was talking about how mana costs aren't as uh, as restrictive as they seem. Like, usually, I think, you know, he says something like, fortune favors the bold, and it kind of applies to magic, um, where you might look at a spell and think, this is really too hard to cast. Um, but it turns out that it's really possible. Um, good example, Niv-Mizzet. We were all, you know, we all saw how powerful that was. Uh, But I'm sure if you go back and look at people evaluating that card six months ago or whenever it was, they're gonna, you're gonna have people say, "This is great if you could cast it, but nobody's ever gonna cast it." Um, (laughs) You know, it's so. The, that's kind of what I'm thinking uh, is for Nico Bolas.
0: Yeah, I've got about a hundred games of standard that would like to have a word with you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly.
0: Uh, either one end or the other, either me casting it or them casting it. Yeah,
1: it's, I mean, it's possible. And you can even do it in a three-color deck because Jeskai runs it and the Grixis runs mm-hmm. it. Um, so one... i play
0: the crap out of that card and just Jesk- four copies of that card in Jeskai, right. you know, like...
1: Uh, so, yeah. so Bolas is going to see play... Um, Oh yeah. It's interesting the static ability does nothing if he's the only one in play, so it's kind of interesting on that in that sense. But it also kind of makes opponents feel like, well, wait, should I play my planeswalker? Because they're gonna have whatever <laughs> whatever I've got. Um if you've got a bolus on board. Um another interesting thing I saw, and I'm not quite sure how this works out rules wise, but I think I wrapped my head around it. I just read the tweet a few minutes ago, like twenty minutes ago. Um the, uh, there is like kind of like an infinite combo with Bolus, Oath of Teferi, and Jace Cunning Castaway. Oath- oh, this was what, um... John what, Medina was uh, John Medina, Medina was yeah.
0: posting. Yeah, I saw this too.
1: <laughs> so apparently if you have Jace Cunning Castaway in play and Oath of Teferi, when you play Bolus, you can, uh... You plus... What is it? Let's see. Let's see, now I'm already forgetting. Um... That's right. You do have to plus the the bolus because it has to be up to five. You plus the bolus, then you minus the bolus minus five using Jace's minus five, and you make a copy, make two copies of bolus, and they're not legendary. So the thing is you need Oath of Teferi to activate the bolus twice. So you activate him plus one to put him up to five loyalty and then minus five to create two copies of bolus that aren't legendary and i think you can just use those copies to do the same thing um and again i just read it and i didn't have time to look into it and
0: does it copy i mean does it actually copy niv mizzet because i thought the ability specifically said put two copies of jace on the board
1: um, i don't know it's holding to see jace cunning castaway I mean, it does create two tokens that are copies of Jace Cunning Castaway, except they're not legendary. That's, that's so that's
0: what I'm saying. It's
1: kind of weird. I don't know why it would copy Niv Mizzet, which is what you just said. But you mean Nicol Bolas, I think. <laughs> you mean whatever. Just, yeah. So uh, I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to look into that. Maybe, maybe I'm speaking too soon based on information that is not uh, not correct. But I I saw the tweet and thought that was interesting. I swear, Saffron Olive posted an image of, of doing something like this though. Um, I guess the idea is it's, it's create two tokens that, that, are the copies that are copies of card name. Actually, I think that's actually what it says in the image. So it copies itself, whatever. So Bolas ah, is copying oh, okay. itself. So, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll send you, um, I just picked up my phone and I see, um, Medina is replying to someone questioning the rules and he says, feel free to ask an <laughs> MTG judge. Um, it's actually Kisizi, our friend our friend Mike. My, uh. One of my friends from high school says he's not sure it works. <laughs> he's questioning it just like we are right now. Um, so I'll have to find the image that Saffron Olive posted, but I'm pretty sure he is is toying with it because he was inv- invited to the early streamer event and got a fully stocked account and was able to play with, with this particular interaction. So um, I'll nice. look it up and I'll send it to you to put in the show notes too. So um, anyway, my number three is Nico Bolas. It's a great card, I think. It's absolutely worth building around, and uh, we're going to see it a lot.
0: Yeah, I think it's overrated. So my number two – and I'm kidding.
1: Uh, (laughs) I was like, yeah, (laughs) tell me more, please.
0: I just wanted to light up the hate mailbox, you know, so I was just trying to get that going. Um, So my number two is going to be a big surprise. Uh, Tybalt, Rakish Instigator. Oh, yeah. Um, Shocking, right? Uh, Because they did not unban Rampaging for Oshadon, but they did the next – closest thing so <laughs>
1: they just reprinted it with a different name
0: so well i mean you know it, uh, it does other stuff it's too bad, um, bad none of these planes
1: different. walkers are like zero casting cost you can tap it for a white or a blue and it counts as an island and a planes. that would be really
0: that would be pretty good
1: <laughs> getting around the reserve list <laughs> right uh, yeah anyway go ahead
0: yes so, uh, Tibalt, Rakish, Rakish, whatever, Rakish, I guess, because it's Rakdos, it's not Rakdos. Uh, Rakish Instigator, it's a red and two, it's an uncommon, it's a legendary Planeswalker Tybalt. justice for Tibalt. Um, five loyalty when it enters the battlefield, and it says, your opponents can't gain life. Ha ha ha! Unless they absorb this. Uh, and then it says, minus two, create a 1-1 one, one red devil creature token with when this creature dies, it deals 1 damage to any target. So, uh, first of all, obviously, the can't gain life clause is a big deal. Um, I really like the fact that this combos nicely with all the other sacrifice things, um, including Judith. It doubles up everything on Judith, so that makes two ones that deal 2 damage, you know? Yeah. Uh, With Judith Um, You can sacrifice them to any number of things Priest of the Forgotten Gods Uh, You can sacrifice to My number one on my list Which I'm just going to say Is Heartfire Heartfire is my number one And I do think we talked about that last uh, episode But I don't care I'm going to read it again Uh, It's one in a red It's a common It's an instant As an additional cost To cast this spell Sacrifice a creature or Planeswalker. Heartfire deals 4 damage to any target. So, um, the immediate comparison with this card would be Goblin Grenade. Goblin Grenade cost 1 red and, deal- and dealt 1 more damage. Um, but the problem was you had to specifically sacrifice a Goblin. Um, you could not sacrifice a Planeswalker <laughs> or any creature that didn't say Goblin on it. Uh, and it was a Sorcery, so you could only do it at Sorcery Speed. I love this card. Um, First of all, four damage for two mana on any card is a great rate. Um, When you're sacrificing creatures that are also going to deal damage on their way out, it makes it an even better rate. And um, I was so crazy about Moment of Craving uh, in the last standard that at one point I messed with a goblin deck running Skirk Prospector. Um, just to be able to have a way to do not to not let them gain two life from either moment of craving or Vraska's contempt. I think the one thing a lot of people don't realize. A lot of people, more people than you'd ever expect, don't realize that when you target a Dauntless Bodyguard with a moment of craving, and I sacrifice the Dauntless Bodyguard, you don't gain life, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, I, I mean, you, you're like, yeah, obviously, right. but you'd be surprised how many people still target it and not like... The creature that the dauntless bodyguards targeting minus two minus two is or exile are both still going to deal with the creature that it could give indestructible to. Right, you know what I mean. Um, so having something to do in response to one of those spells, it's almost like a counter spell, especially when you're playing red. You know, uh, being able to get rid of the creature that they would gain life off of is the same as saying counter target life gain spell, you know, and then dealing more damage on the way out is even better, so I love this card, and I love uh, Tibalt's interaction with it Um, I I mean, I honestly, like, I'm pretty excited for, uh, for Standard to get shaken up because I feel like it really needs it right now. I know you, I'm surprised. You actually were saying something about how you barely even play Arena right now.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. I'm just kind of tired of, of Standard right now. I'm, I'm Well, now I'm excited. Like I am I was ready to log in tomorrow and play some uh, some War of the Spark until I realized tomorrow is the 24th and it's not on there yet. <laughs> but um, I did actually think that earlier today. But I'm ready to play War of the Spark Standard. Like I, I can't wait for that. Uh, I'm just bored of the current standard and regardless of how good it is I'm just kind of bored of it so I was just going on to like farm gold and as soon as I hit my my uh, quests I would just log off and it even yeah. got to the point where twice um, this you know t- the two most recent times I logged into arena I opened it up looked at the quests and went I don't feel like doing those and just closed it so I haven't even you know done that I just was like kill 25 of my opponent's creatures I, I don't feel like it. Like <laughs> I, I don't feel like it um, because that's the, another thing that's annoying about that particular quest. You're like, settle the wreckage. That doesn't count. Uh, right. V- Vraska's contempt. Vraska's that contempt doesn't contempt doesn't count. Doesn't like count. all these cards yep. that like exile things and um, the what's the seal away doesn't count. Exilant binding doesn't count. Like all these mm-hmm. cards that I play that in the decks that you know kill creatures that that deal with creatures don't actually count towards that quest. So I was just like, forget it. I'm not doing that. Um, right. Yeah, you know, that's just one example. But it's it's just, I'm like, uh, I, I don't need, you know, a couple more, th- more thousand gold. You know, like, w- what's it really going to end up mattering? A couple packs. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a few packs behind or something. Um, so, yeah. No, I, I'm ready for new standard for sure. I'm, I can't wait to play with any of these new cards. Uh, I, I'm actually not sure what cards I'm going to to be trying first i mean obviously the the cards on my list are are big contenders but um yeah i haven't even really decided because i feel like there's just so much to look at and play with so i'm just going to open a bunch of packs and see what i get and try try those you know starting there it's not like with um with ravnica allegiance where i was able to just be like i know i want four hallowed fountain like (laughs) day one right Right. away um it's it's i'm not sure what i'm going to spend my wild cards on so all right, so my number two. This is probably the biggest contender for the card. I'm going to spend my wild, wild wild cards on first. God Eternal Kefnet. It is a four five flyer for four mana, just blue blue and two. Legendary creature, zombie god. That's already fantastic, <laughs> right? Like it's a it's a four five flyer for four, and right. it has the you know go tuck yourself rule thing for the gods, um, <laughs> and. Um, You may may reveal the first card you draw each turn as you draw it. Whenever you reveal an instant or sorcery card this way, copy that card and you may cast the copy. That copy costs two less to cast. So basically, God Eternal Kefnet performs miracles, right? It's like you look at the top card. If it's an instant or sorcery, you can reveal it just like you could with a miracle. You get it at a cheaper rate, which is just like – Miracles tended to, to be uh, costed better at their right, miracle cost. Right. However, you this is even better because you don't just cast the card. You cast a copy of it, which means you get to draw the card. Uh, right. Like, I think that's insane. And in the meantime, it's a 4-5 flyer that can, you know, start – it's a clock. It's a great clock. So, yeah. I mean, the, the card that I think a lot of people are are using as an example because it's just it, – goes so well with it is something like Chemist's Insight. Oh look, I revealed that pay 2 draw 2 cards, draw Chemist's Insight also. So I've got three cards in my hand that oh I didn't at the start of this turn and I can cast Chem- Chemist's Insight still and cast it again later for its, you know jump start if I want. Like that's just, you know, a really obvious easy example, but um uh, this this is I'm excited for this one like a, a lot.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly, like I'm just looking over at this Jace's triumph sitting here, and I'm like, "Huh, one blue, draw two. That's not bad."
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true too. Yeah, when you have, uh... and
0: if you have, if you have a Jace, it's draw three. Yeah. for a blue, it's it's ancestral recall, right? And you get to draw it and cast it for three that turn. Also,
1: that's insane.
0: Y- wow. Um. Yeah. So, like, my initial, I mean, obviously, I get why people are hyped about this card, and I think it's a great card. Uh, but like my initial reaction to it was, but I want to run counter spells, and this doesn't do anything with counter. You know what I mean? If no. I reveal a counter spell, this doesn't do anything. But um, I guess it does. It does enough. Oh. So here's another fun fact. So anyway, um, you know, so if you have scry, which there are scry effects in standard, you can set up your draws to make the most use of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but this also works on your opponent's turn.
1: Yeah, I, I thank you for mentioning that because I kind of forgot about it. It's the first card you draw each turn. So each turn. it's just like miracles in that sense too because, yeah, you can Miracle a Terminus during your opponent's combat step. You know, that that mm-hmm. works. Uh, but a lot of times you're thinking about it in terms of your uh, your own draw step. Your draw step
0: yeah. straight up, right. But yeah, you can just opt.
1: Right, you're, you opt and...
0: You get to scry first when you opt, too.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's great. So So
0: you get to check. You get to check and go, maybe not that. How about
1: this? Right. Oh, my gosh. That's insane. Wow.
0: That's stupid.
1: It's such a good card. Like, I I can't wait to play with it. And it probably, you know, everybody will be playing with it for a week, and then it will be outclassed somehow by all these Planeswalkers. But right now, (laughs) I'm really excited for it.
0: It sure does look cool. And the more we we talk about it, the more I like it. So, Um,
1: uh, yeah. Pretty sweet. These gods are just incredible. Um,
0: they really are.
1: So, are we down to my number one? Is that how, how we're doing this? I already forgot. Did, did, are, did I skip you? We are up. Oh, You've you your number one. I'm done. That's right. Sorry, sorry. So, my number one is a card that I think I'm more excited to play. Uh, I, I want to get four copies in paper so I have it because I think it'll see play in modern. Um, I think it possibly has applications in standard as well, but Blast Zone. Uh, this is mm-hmm. a land. It's a rare. Enters the battlefield with a charge counter on it. Uh, You can tap it to add a colorless. You can pay X, X, and tap it to put X charge counters on Blast Zone. So if you just want to put another charge counter on it, it costs two. Um, Pay three, tap it, and sacrifice it. Destroy each non-land permanent with converted mana cost equal to the number of charge counters on Blast Zone. So if you want to wipe out all of the one-casting cost permanents in play, for example, against White Weenie, uh, you play Blast Zone. It comes into play untapped. It does not come into play tapped. Um, you just pay three, tap it, and wrath their board, basically. I mean, all those all those one-drops are gone, like right away. There, You don't have to add any charge counters to it or anything. So no waiting, nothing. You just play it and wipe the, the one-drops. Um, I think that's why this is going to see a lot of play... Potentially in modern, but again, there's an example from standard where we have a deck that is, you know, basically all one drops, you know, like, or, right. or three quarters, one drops in terms of the spells. And, um, and you're just, you're going to just be able to deal with so many of them in one one fell swoop on a land. So any color has access to a, a wrath like this. And um, it follows along, you know, the uh, the line of succession going back to cards like Ratchet Bomb and Engineered Explosives and Powder Keg. But this is on a land. So not only do you have the, um, okay, this goes in any deck because it's, it's an artifact or something. Like this goes in any deck because it's a land and it's not even a dead card ever because at least it adds mana and doesn't come into play tapped. Um, it's
0: stupid good. It's like...
1: Yeah,
0: Uh, I it it honestly got cut from my list for uh, Raging Crunch.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can see why you'd have chosen the Crunches
0: and and Crunch Wrangler, you know, just just love Crunches. Um, But uh, but I also I figured you might have it on your list. So Uh, but yeah, this is ridiculous. Like this is like busted power level. I can't believe that they printed this card, to be honest, like.
1: I mean, there's, Just can't. there's talk about putting it in Amulet Titan. Again, it's easy to, to tutor this right up if you have uh, a Primeval Titan, or you can search for it with Teleria West. Uh, the thing is, you can also search for Engineered Explosives with Teleria West, so you don't necessarily need this in Amulet Titan, but it is you know another option to have. Um,
0: the one thing to note is that it does not get rid of tokens, right. no matter how much you want it
1: to. Well, it can if you have a way to remove a counter. and
0: If you have a way to remove it. And
1: there is that... Uh, what is it called? Spark something or other. Let's see. Spark Reaper. No, no. Yeah, it's not Spark Creeper. It's a it's a some kind of card that like remove a a, per, a counter from a permanent draw card. Uh, I forgot. Um, let's see. Oh, counter. This is gonna.
0: I got it. Soul Divine. There you
1: go. Um,
0: yeah, Soul Diviner is a black and a blue. It's a zombie wizard. It's a 2-3. A 2-3 for two is already pretty cool. Yeah,
1: it's a rare. Uh, it's a rare. So, yeah.
0: yeah, you can tap it, remove a counter from an artifact, creature, land, or planeswalker you control, draw a card. Yeah. So you get the card draw, too. But, uh, yeah, if you needed to get rid of tokens, you could very roundabout get rid of them. Yeah, <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's, that it's just
1: not very easy. Yeah,
0: Right.
1: Um, but, yeah, so those are our, our lists of some cards we're excited about because we can't fit 250 cards on a 10 card list. Um, (laughs) it's just such a great set.
0: It's just science. Um, yeah, it's a really great set and I'm really excited to play with it. I'm, I'm excited to see, like, like you said, you know, you asked me about limited. I don't have a clue. Um, best way to figure that out is to sleeve up 40 and go for it. You know what I mean? So, uh,
1: just a quick note. Yeah. Like I just, a quick note on this topic this set is so good it's going to sell very well there are going to be a lot of packs opened so on a an mtg finance kind of note um a lot of these cards are going to be less expensive than they would be in other sets that aren't opened as much um Right. So watch with the pre-orders. I know it's a little late to be telling you that now, but, you know, <laughs> just –
0: Now it tell us. Um,
1: I, I think if you're certain you're going to be playing a certain kind of – certain card and you want to pre-order it, go for it. But watch with the uh, – you know, watch where you decide to allocate your money because I think something like, uh, for example, Nico Bolas, because Kenny was talking to us about it. Um, right. You know, it, it's pre-selling for something in the neighborhood of $25. And while mm-hmm. maybe it maintains that price tag – uh, odds are good that it doesn't exceed that. And so you're not gaining anything by getting it now. And I'd say odds are better that it drops at least a little, even even if it's, you know, at this power level, it's going into very specific decks. Like you cannot play this in every deck. The demand for it is not going to be as high. Um, it's not going to reach Teferi levels of power um, at, or play. So uh, it's a three color card that, that really requires you to, really want to play it. So I think, um, you know, it's less likely to maintain that, that price tag. Um, so yeah, just, just, uh, um, we're not MTG finance people, but this is just something that I've learned over the years. Most cards don't maintain their pre-order value. So, uh, just kind of, unless something's really cheap and you're pretty sure you want it, like, that's the stuff I pre-order. I might pre-order Blast Zone because I think it's like six bucks. I can I can afford that. Like that's fine. <laughs> but I don't want to pre-order Bolus, even though I really want to play it.
0: Although I will say, uh, cool stuff has it up to thirty now. <laughs> What's that, Bolus?
1: So, yeah. Well, I mean, it's this is usually where they get it's really. It's still going to settle down. Oh yeah.
0: It's it's still going to settle down. It's going to settle down. And you know what? Eh, this is if still it pre-order.
1: Yeah. It's, again, I'm I'm talking about post. Uh, release. So we'll see. Right, Let's right. Check right. next episode and see where it is. But um Let's. but we'll see. Yeah. And also, you know, the the supply and demand thing doesn't apply as much in the first weeks because the demand is super high and the supply is low because it right. just came out. So um give it give it a few weeks and see where it is, you know, say a month from now. That might be a better a better uh estimation. But anyway, off of the the topic of finance, um not really our specialty. I don't want to uh, Not anymore. I want to give people. Yeah, well, you, you used to be really into it, but
0: um, yeah, I don't know nothing now.
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I think I think that's just about everything. Um, we're very active on Twitter. If you don't know or you don't follow us, uh, just a reminder: we are on Twitter. We would love to interact with you uh, folks out there on Twitter. I'm at Affinity for Blue. Joe is at Big Dead Joe on Twitter. That's right.
0: Hope you like wrestling. And
1: uh, well, yeah, there's that. Um, <laughs> And, uh the show of course you can interact with at yomtg taps so um anything else you wanted to add Joe
0: not at all, all right. let's uh let's let's do some pre-release in this weekend well I mean you yeah, know you're gonna do it on arena so yeah uh I'm excited let's crack these cards and see what's what absolutely
1: well that about does it for us until next time we are yo mtG taps
0: make them have it we are